We could say a lot. There's a lot of takeaways from this gospel passage in the image of John the Baptist witnessing to Jesus Christ the person, but also to Jesus Christ through the ways and teachings of Jesus Christ. You can't really proclaim to follow Jesus if you don't do what he tells us to do in the teachings of Jesus and the teachings of the church. Sometimes we try to make a divorce there, but you really you can't. And John the Baptist was suffering not because he defended Jesus the person, but because he taught about what Jesus said regarding marriage. And even in letters to the Hebrews, St. Paul or the New Testament author would say, let, the marriage be, let marriage be honored among all, and the marriage bed be kept undefiled. And yet when John the Baptist goes to teach that to Herodias and Herod and Philip, in this weird triangle of, of, of adultery, like that's what got him arrested and ultimately killed. Another takeaway is um, just the sadness of sin. What sin does to the mind, to the heart. We learned in the Holy Land that um, Herod wasn't actually a Jew. He was a king over the Jews, but he wasn't a Jew himself. He was a pagan, following mostly pagan ways. And you just kind of see, like, wow, without the light of God's revelation, how twisted we can become. And here, even his daughter, or stepdaughter, whatever, and his wife, Herodias, um, just very twisted. I was struck, like, he offered the daughter half of the entire kingdom and all its, its riches. What would you do for, like, half the wealth of the U.S. being put in your personal deposit box? Like, not bad. That's a good deal. And she's like, no, I'd like the head of John the Baptist. Excuse me? Like, that's just foolish. Utterly foolish what sin can do to our mind and our heart. To have us choose such a silly, ugly, terrible thing over other greater things. And then Herod himself, allowing his fear, his passions, his lust, and everything else, keep him from doing the right thing. He could have been a model of a great dad. Here, little daughter, let me tell you why that's not a good thing to ask for. And instead, he couldn't. Paralyzed by his sin. But I'm going to cheat, and I want to share with you all um, what was in a reflection from the Exodus 90 app this morning based on this. I thought it was very good. A reminder of the role of our own John the Baptist conscience and the seriousness of the twisted effects of sin over our mind and our hearts. Blinded by years of lust and by cowardice, Herod sacrifices the life of an innocent man. Here is the power of sin in all its strength. Sin debilitates our reason and withers our capacity to choose virtuously. The more we consort with sin, the more we become weak, shadowy figures akin to Herod. The more time you spend with sin, the weaker we become and the more blind our intelligence. We become self-involved, self-absorbed and consumed by immediate gratification. The forces of such self-involvement are so strong that they may lead one man to kill another in order to keep living in their power of those forces. These forces keep us going from one empty source of pleasure to the next. Sin and the force of evil spirits behind it, because the devil is always involved in temptation, steadies our gaze on pleasure and on avoiding any sacrifice, suffering, or inconvenience. Our gaze is fixed not on God and the path to heaven, but just on avoiding sacrifice and convenience and, and focusing on pleasure and delights of this world. When St. Augustine began his journey away from sin and towards Christ, he heard a chorus of his memories singing sin's favorite refrain. Do you think you can live without us? 
without your sins? You think you can live a life free from us? You really think that, you fool? That's sin's refrain. We are deeply attached to sin because it promises and delivers an artificial consolation that momentarily satisfies us, but then entraps us. It is a shallow satisfaction that needs to be engaged over and over again to experience its quick or fleeting high, like drugs. Kind of you get high for a moment and then you always need more. That's what sin does. Herodias, the wife, or Herod himself, didn't want John the Baptist around, reminding them of the cheap and superficial life they had chosen in their kingly and queenly life. We have no John the Baptist to preach to us, but we do have the interior presence of conscience, which voices opposition to our ruinous self-preoccupation. That's your conscience. I'm going to skip a reference to Ant-Man, but anyway... Are we tempted to silence conscience as Herodias and Herod sought to silence the preaching saint John the Baptist? It would be a great tragedy if we turned from our conscience and instead began to listen to our lower self, our anxieties, our appetites and feelings to worldly values. If we attend to the voice of Christ at worship, the meditative reading and prayer of Scripture, and the counsel of the clergy or the church, we enter the sacred process of forming our conscience, which is what we're supposed to do. Form it. Conscience can be intentionally formed by Christian sources or neglected in its formation as we drift unmoored through popular culture and its many distractions and confusing values, or worst, intentionally deformed by attending to sources that reject the good news of Christ. One way or another, conscience is being developed, formed, and influenced. But by what? One is, not, one is not born, because of our fallen nature, with a full appreciation of the true, the good, and the beautiful. It doesn't come naturally to us. We have to seek it. We have to train ourselves towards it. We have to learn what these are. And in so learning, come to love the true, the good, and the beautiful, and choose them as our own. If we fail to commit our minds to following Christ's mind, then our own unmoored mind may be all we have to consult in the midst of temptation. And that would be a disaster for our growth and holiness, and a betrayal of ourselves and of so many others who depend on us. Herod, in his luxurious palace and lifestyle, insulated himself, buffered himself, you could say, from all that was good, so that he could be entertained by all that was immediate and self-gratifying. The Spirit of Christ, as you see in John the Baptist, invites us to listen to that voice in the heart, in our soul, in the conscience, our well-formed conscience. And unlike Herod, to turn away from any unhealed grudge against the herald of truth, and goodness. That's why John the Baptist wasn't in the palaces and comforts and luxuries of this world. He was in the desert away from those things. That's where you hear truth, unfiltered. As you continue to reflect on this gospel, just ponder that. The role of my conscience. How have I formed my conscience? What influence does it have over my decisions and my actions? Or do other things now influence my values the wrong way? 
Does my will follow where conscience leads, or am I now weak and enslaved to petty values and fleeting pleasures that have a stronger influence than the voice of God in my life? Herod is a very, I don't know, striking figure, because any one of us tomorrow could be him. If we allow sin to dictate what we do, if we allow those temptations to kind of swamp our strong will, we become very weak. We don't know where to go. Our, Our intellect is darkened and our will is weakened. We simply ask St. John the Baptist to intercede for us today to be strong in who we are, convinced of who we are, and determined to live the life that God sets before us when it's easy and when it's not so easy, to forge a path for ourselves and for others according to the truth, the good, and the beautiful. Amen.